Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and we're in Soul Talk. And today we have a very special lady that she is the first time that I have encountered this kind of studies that they are very, very, very unique. I had a session with her. Her name is Sharon uh, Lynn Wade. I, I hope I got it right. Uh, my English is not that perfect. I hope I did. But let me tell you a little bit who she is. She's an international... Um, name expert. Sharon is the founder of the creation of pneumology science, the study of the placement of the letters and in the name. After 15 years of research followed for three years of, of testing in over 70 countries, she has evaluated thousands of names since uh, 1995. Her, um, her best-selling book, Knowing the Name, Knowing the Person, it is the first in sequence, followed by the knowing the name, knowing the spirit, and then know the name and know the uh, the connect. So we're going to be asking Sharon uh, about this because it is very, very interesting. I got a reading by her and it was very unique. And Sharon, thank you so much for accepting me, uh, my invitation for Soul Talk. I really appreciate it. Oh, Monica, it's a pleasure to be here. And a lot of people struggle with my name. It's pronounced Sharon, um, like the song, My, 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 Sharona, without the A. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Sharon, uh, I, well, I wanted to ask you about where did this idea came from. I, uh, as a psychic, I read people when I see it. And I can know everything about them, even if I don't want to, because I read them. But in your case, it is you just have to ask for their name. Right. And the minute somebody's introduced, you can ask them to spell it, which I often do. And I say, do you spell it the normal way? Do you spell your name differently? Would you mind spelling it for me? And as they're spelling it, I'm analyzing it. So I know who I'm speaking with when I'm done. But to answer your question, Monica, it came about when I was doing a seating chart for the kids on the beginning of my seventh year of teaching. I was 26. And as I was putting down randomly the kids' names, my brain was saying, don't put Josh next to Julie. Together, they're going to be clowns. Separated, they're okay. You know, Derek's going to need extra help. Put him up close. Stephanie's going to be stubborn, not want her seat changed. Put her over on the side. And it didn't dawn on me until I was doing my fourth class that all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute. This is what my brain does when I know the kids, but I don't know these guys. I only know their names. So I went back and wrote down my impression of every child based on their names, put it away till winter break because I wanted to get to know the kids for who they are. And at winter break, when I read what I had written, I said, okay, this is amazingly accurate. Now I, my brain has picked up some kind of pattern. And now my brain's thoroughly trained in pattern because I was a math major and I have my master's. And so I then went about saying, okay, how do I make what's unconscious conscious? And that took me 15 years to figure out all the patterns and the nuances in there. And then I went and tested it in over 70 countries because I was already uh, working and teaching and being invited to speak on spirituality in those places. So I just said, while I'm here, can I also test on this? And then the interest, everybody says, where can we learn more? That's what led to the first book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Wow. That is very, very interesting. It is one of your gifts, something that you came out with this. But at the same time, you're teaching it through your books. Do you do also, um, do you teach in, in different uh, aspects besides your books? Yes, yes. I have online courses where you can take it. And because I was such a school teacher for so long, that in the online course, after every section, you get a personal call with me to make sure that all of your questions are answered before you go on. Because I always think that's what's wrong with online courses. And I don't want to have to ask a question into the computer and hope somebody answers it. And who knows if I'll explain it or not. You know, I want to talk with the actual person. So I put that in 
also so that when you get through with every section that you've read online or seen online or there's handouts that go with it, um, then you get to call me and we talk. How do, um, is there names that they're more negative in, uh, in a sense of way? Every name has gifts and every name has challenges. Now, the majority of names have the appropriate gifts that are going to conquer those challenges. Okay, the majority. But there are names out there that have so many challenges that I, I look at them and I think, oh, God bless this person. I don't know how they're coping, you know, because there's not enough gifts to cover their challenges. Okay, and it's just the name, do or do you need something else for it? I don't need anything else. That's the beauty of it. Because in astrology, you need the birthplace and you need the birth time and the date. And in numerology, you need the birthday. And in so many different systems, like even if you're looking at palmistry, you need that person's hand. And this way, like HR companies will simply give me the list of names in the job description. All I need is the name. And, and so you can immediately interact or, or know that person simply from their name. You don't need any cooperation or more details about them. Then basically, um, if someone has, let's say, my name, like Monica, all the Monicas were going to have the same challenges, the same thing? No, because of the last name. So the, the first name is is like the essence of who you are. But the last name, so that's your nature, but your last name is your nurture and represents your environment. And now all the Monicas haven't been dropped into the same environment, so they're not all going to be the same. So saying it another way, it's like the first name is all the ingredients you have all in your kitchen, okay? And your last name is the recipes you can make out of those ingredients. Hmm. That is interesting, But at the same time, my name is very common. If I, I have searched myself a bunch of times and I find Monica Ramirez, thousands of Monica Ramirez, just in sometimes in one website. You Google it, there are thousands of Monica Ramirez. But they haven't all had the same parents' names. So I can analyze a name and get the essence of the person and what they're about. But when I'm doing a reading to know the person's purpose and, and the depth of it and the subtleties and all of that in a person, I always ask for the parents' birth names. Now, every Monica Romeris does not have the same pa two parent birth names. <laughs> okay. And that gives the complete picture where you get the depth and the breadth of the person. But you get enough just from the person's name to really have a sense of who you're talking with and whether that person is safe for you or not, whether that person can be a short-term friend, long-term friend, just an acquaintance. You know, you can compare your name with the other person's really quickly. And the beauty in that also is you can see the potential problem spaces, like what's going to come up as conflict, and better yet, the solution to those conflicts and what needs to happen. Like, for an example, there can be misunderstandings between two people, but the name will show whose responsibility it is to make sure that it's clear. Like, for an example, in your name and in all Monica's names, because you all have the first vowel of an O and everybody else that has the first vowel of an O, those are the people that are just the appointed bosses. They do really well when they're in charge. Okay. And so, like, for, for people with a first vowel of an A, like me, You find us in charge sometimes, but only when our bosses were incompetent. And so we started doing their job just to get it done along with our job until their job became our job. Because if not, we're really happy not being the one in charge. Hmm. You know, we just can't stand incompetence. You know, so as long as the boss is incompetent, we're happy campers. Okay. But everybody with a first vowel of an O, you guys like being in charge. You guys like being the boss. And I always think if you like it, go for it, do it. You know, the rest of, some of us don't need it. <laughs> you know. Huh. I can see that. Uh, and something that I, I always have to say, uh, let's say my mother and my sister, that they have the, the same name. I always have to say, oh, they are very similar because um, it's mother and daughter. And, or you're the more likely like my mother. But now this is making more sense because actually they share the same name. 
So yeah. they'll have a lot in common, but they don't have everything. The other thing that's interesting is when I'm looking at a person's name and their parents' names, I can tell you what they pulled from each parent. And the more they have in common with the letters with their parent, then the child wants to do a one-upmanship. It's like the child came in to learn similar things that the parent came in to learn. However, the child wants to do a better job than the parent. So they have the parent as the model, and then they can look at it and say, ah, this is how mom's doing it, or this is how dad's doing it. But now I'm going to do it this way because I can see where it can be improved. And that way, every generation gets better than the generation before. That's what we hope. <laughs> That's what we hope. Exactly. Yes, I, I can see that. But that but that also applies for everybody. And we always wanted to, well, the majority of the human beings, that at least we work with ourselves. We wanted to be better than our parents or grandparents and so on. So and, and I tell my kids the mistakes that I did, do not do it yourselves. Learn from my mistakes. Yes. Yeah. But first you have to be willing to admit them. And there's certain letters in the alphabet that they don't like to ever admit that they make a mistake. Okay. It's really important for them to be perfect or at least perfect in their own eyes, or they want to be perfect in other people's eyes. So the, yes, the majority of us will self-reflect and look at what, where can we improve? What can we do better? Right. And that we do want our children to not make our mistakes and have better lives. Um, I feel that way as a teacher. I think the vast majority of teachers want the kids to learn from the teacher's mistakes and look at how the teacher can help them, you know, learn it this way. Okay. And so it, it's interesting, but there's certain letters out there that they don't feel that way. Okay. So the vowels in our name uh, represent our emotions and the consonants in our name represent our attitudes. And so you find those in the attitudes of people. Mm. And that takes me to the narcissist. The narcissists, they have different names, all of them. Uh, that's the people that they don't self-reflect, that they, they're not guilty of anything, that they don't have compassion for anybody. That's, uh, those are, that is the narcissist. Uh, I, right now, I feel like worldwide, we're living in a narcissist time where everybody's just thinking in themselves and they're lacking of compassion. Well, narcissists aren't the only people that lack in compassion, but a narcissist, those combinations that represent narcissism do show up in a name. Okay. And sometimes they're hidden there in the middle of the name, you know, instead of just being bold and out in front, but that shows up. Psychopaths shows up in the names, you know, sociopaths shows up in a name, liars, thieves, all of that show up in a name. So once you learn how to recognize those combinations It's like, I always believe it's important to be kind to everybody, but then you know if you want to stick around or not, because you know, you recognize the letters. And every time over the years that I've said, well, maybe this person's an exception, then they prove to me they're not. You know, I mean, I always am, am questioning my own, like, okay, I found this pattern and look at these people and what they're doing. And then when I think, well, this person is so nice or comes across so well, maybe they're an exception. Right. And if they're an exception, I have to figure that pattern out. What's in there that would make them that. But so far, no exceptions. <laughs> wow. You know, once it shows up in the name, it's like, nope, it's there. What advice would you give to the mothers, their mothers to be that they're thinking in their names? I remember it, it took me six months to, to choose the name of my daughter. But I, because I was looking something that rhymes because I'm a poet. So it's something that rhymes and. It have a nice flow and things like that. And the, also the meaning of the name of my daughter. And it took me six months. But I didn't know this information or else I will be looking also. the Because her name is Mia Sofia Garcia. And Sofia, we know that it's wisdom. Mia is mine. So, and Garcia, that's her last name. But I was looking something that rhymes Mia Sofia Garcia. But, uh, but I did not know about the meaning behind that Sophia, you know, or the meaning behind of Mia. Okay, so many, many religions out there believe that the incoming soul impresses upon the one naming them what they want to be called. So in essence, we name ourselves. So when you were set on, the reason it took so long is you were set on a certain pattern, okay? So you had to get to the point where you were letting it go or being frustrated enough that you stopped working on it 
so that the name could be impressed upon you that would meet your conditions and at the same time meet your daughter's. Okay, so what I say is allow the soul to give you the impression of the name that the child wants, then call me and let me help you spell the name. So there are different ways of spelling it. Since once we know the name, we know what the soul wants and why it's coming. But then there's ways of spelling the name that can help the soul learn it quicker, easier, faster versus doing it the hard way. Hmm. Or they can buy the books of Sharon. Or take the classes with Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then you can do it yourself. <laughs> You're pregnant. Go and take those buy those books and or take the classes. <laughs> yeah, and and we have a special on the on the website. If you're purchasing all three books, you save like almost thirty dollars over if you're buying them individually, like from a store or from Amazon. Um, if you get them all at the same time on the website. And the third book, you can have access to it, which is Know the Name, Know How to Connect, absolutely free on the website, because I think it's so important that we recognize other people's communication styles so that we'll know what they need to have happen so that they can feel loved and how they show their love. So let's say I receive love one way, but I show it a different way, then Wouldn't it be nice if my partner knows how I receive love so that the partner that loves me can provide that, you know, and it's just small little tweaks. It's just like, let's say somebody has a first vowel of an E. Okay. Those people love to be touched when they're touched, they feel loved. And so when they want the hugs, they want the kiss when they come home from work, you know, they want to be touched as you're walking through the room. They want to be tapped on the shoulder or on the back or something they're connecting through touch that causes them to feel loved and so if you know that you can adjust and just add a few extra touches throughout the day you know or greet them when they come in the door with a big hug and a kiss you know it's so easy if you know how does that person feel loved how do they recognize love you know and there's six different ways because there's six different vowels and so and it there's another thing on how we naturally think that we're showing that we love somebody, but it doesn't necessarily mean that how we're showing love is how that person receives love. And so there's a miscommunication. So in Know the Name, Know How to Connect, it goes through uh, not only how we communicate, how we feel love, what kind of relationships um, we establish, you know, are they codependent, independent, you know, passive aggressive, whatever. It shows that. It shows our learning styles. It shows what kind of gifts we like to receive. So you don't have to do guesswork on how do I buy this person a gift. It's right there in the letters. And so that one is literally available for free access on my website, any page but the homepage. And the one in uh, the second book, the Spirituality book. Yeah. Know the Name, Know the Spirit is all about why you're here. What's your purpose? I mean, the, the number of people that call me and say, I want to know my purpose. And I personally feel like we ought to be showing that to children in school. They ought to know by the time they graduate where their gifts and talents are and what they came to do and what their purpose is. But a lot of people say, okay, now what's my purpose? And not only does the name say what the overall purpose is, it literally separates it down into seven different areas. And it says, when you accomplish these seven things, you have met your purpose. And then it goes about and says, what's the fastest way to accomplish those things? What needs to happen? And so like when I give a half hour reading, all of that comes out. Why you picked your mom, why you picked your dad, what the seven things are, what's your overall purpose. And then longer readings are for people that have questions. You know, like you can ask the universe, almost anything. And that answer is lying in your name. And then, and then other people want their names compared with the people that are around them to know how do I improve this relationship? You know, what needs to happen to help this relationship, help me get insight into that person. And so we do that also, but then you need longer than a half hour. Yes, I can see that. And yes, there's, uh, and people is understand what I think it is important to know Is like seeing this kind of a podcast where you're talking, where you're saying all this, so they can make the list of questions they have before the book. Right. Okay. So the books teach how to do this. So you don't need to call. You don't need to make an appointment. You can read the books and do it for yourself. 
But there's a lot of things that are out there, Monica, that I look at and I think I don't have time. I don't have the interest to learn that whole system. I'd rather just pay somebody who knows it well and give me the answers. (laughs) Yes, that is true. That is true. You're having problems with a relationship that you don't know why, that you have tried everything. Maybe it's their name. Yes, it is when you compare the names. And, And the solutions are easy. When you compare the names and people will go, oh, my gosh, I never thought of that. And that's easy. And I think, yeah, it's staring us in the face through our names. And that's the beauty of it. It's just like when HR departments call me and say, these two employees are not getting along and we don't want to lose either one of them. What needs to happen? And then I'll go, this is what needs to happen for this one. This is what needs to happen for that one. And so far, every time I've been called, people have not quit, even though they've threatened to prior and they've put in the solutions, and both people are still there, you know, five, six, seven years later. It's just wonderful. And and to think, relationships can give us such angst. And I really think the quality of our life is really dependent on the quality of our relationships. When things are going well with the people around us, we're happy. When things are tense or not going well, that bothers us, you know, unless we're a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever, you know. But for the normal person, it's really painful when your relationship goes sour. And to know what needs to happen is just beautiful. And then you can make your choice. And the best part is you can make the choice, Monica, right at the beginning. Is this person someone that would really fit well with me? Because relationships stay in place as long as you are both learning from each other. And when you're not learning from the other person, that's when people get bored. And so you want to have people in your life that think differently than you do, that read different things, that are interested in learning and growing just as you are, you know, because that's when we want to be around that person. What can I learn? Yes. Yes. And in my case, I, I do love intellectual conversations and obviously one of my best friends is uh, my ex-husband. He's orthodox atheist, and he claimed that. And um, and I'm very spiritual, so our conversations can be very, very interesting because we're not going to agree in anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to take me to think, oh, I have not thought about it in this way, and the same applies yes. to Well, and that's why my favorite classes when I was going through school were the ones where we had discussions about books and what did this mean or what did that mean? Because people looked at things so differently. And I thought, I wouldn't have thought about it that way or that way or that way. And you have more to think about. And I am so excited and pleased for people that have a difference of opinions. You want to have some things in common because that's what pulls you together. But when they look at things differently, um, it causes us to think, it causes us to learn, it causes us to grow, even if we don't change our mind. But now we have more reasons to know why we believe the way we do. Yes. You know, like, for example, for like, if I was speaking with your, your husband, as I call them, the ex-husbands, um, I would love that conversation. At the same time, I think atheism is a bridge between being too religious with the dogma and then you're bridging to go into spirituality so you go through this period of atheism on the way where you're rejecting the dogma but you're open for the spirituality so we would have interesting conversations but i'm not going to become an atheist i've already passed through that piece you know some other time because i came down here very much a believer and knowing that god exists so but you still have interesting conversations to see where somebody is and what they're thinking is. Yes, completely. And it's very, very interesting to to talk with something of the uh, of the opposite. But at the same time, uh, it makes us grow. It makes yes. Us, uh, it makes us grow. It makes us understand things in a different point of, uh, of view because we don't feel it the same way. Right. When I was figuring out the letters and the combinations, Monica, I would literally seek out people that had those combinations in their name and want to be around them. So I could say, okay, this behavior of theirs is for that letter that I already know. And this behavior is that letter that I already know. Wipe it out. What's left? What letters are left? What behaviors are left? Where's the, you know, where's the correlation? And then I would do that with enough people. And then 
also I was traveling a lot, giving talks for on spirituality and and I always felt sorry for anybody sitting next to me on the plane because I'd be working on different combinations. And I'd say, do you know anybody with these letters in their name? Tell me about this person, <laughs> you know, so I could be wiping out what I already understood and seeing what was left as I was gathering data. So, you know, it was just it, it was very helpful for me because I was basically shy. Uh, people in high school wouldn't believe that. But what they didn't realize was, is that they voted me most school spirited. But what they didn't realize was that instead of having lunch every day, I would go behind the counter and sell the football tickets or the basketball tickets or whatever, simply because I didn't know how to talk to anybody at lunch, you know. And so I thought this way, I don't have to, but they all come up to the window and talk to me. So I got a reputation of being nice and school spirited, but they didn't realize I was doing it to avoid because I was shy. What are the more difficult um, letters in, in a name we encounter? There's there's different letters that are difficult for different people. Like some letters that might be difficult for me um, would be very easy for somebody else. Okay. For an example, the ER combination, like Herbert has two ERs in it. Okay. So an ER, and depending on where it falls in the name, but it can represent a little bit of difference in how this is interpreted, but ER means sex or sexuality. So if they have a lot of ERs in the first name or the middle name or in two names or whatever, the sex is really important to them. Okay. And they're going to want sex earlier in a relationship. Well, the people that don't have any ERs in their name, they want sex later in the relationship. Okay. When it's a romantic relationship, So that can be a conflict if somebody needs it early versus somebody wants it later. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the, and the level of importance on it. So it's not necessarily a difficult combination because if you have letters in your name that say you like that, that's a great combination. But if you have letters in your name that say you like to postpone that until you really get to know somebody well and make that as a conscious decision, then that's, then that makes that person difficult for you because you're always being pressured. Like Monica, doesn't have ERs. <laughs> well, you can look at the whole name. Yes. You know, it's the whole name. It can be in the first name. It can be in the middle name. It can be in the last name. You know, and many people that have the ER and the last name were taught something inappropriate or what I say off balance a little bit that either that they were touched inappropriately as a child and the rest of the name will tell you that, okay, in the sexual area. Or they were taught that the only time you can have sex is if you're married, you know, and you have to abstain. And that can be really hard, too, once you get to an age and you're in love and you're going to start going through guilt and everything else if you decide to have sex before you're married. So I always say that's the ER and the last name just says there's a little bit of off balance there, hmm. you know, but the rest of the name tells you how it's going to go. And so. Uh, those are things that I think are important because sexuality seems to be such a big issue in our society. So it's important to recognize that in somebody's name. And there was a, a time when I was doing a, a fundraiser at a high school and the kids would come up in groups and hand me their cards with their names on it. And I would shuffle them and decide who I'm doing first and who I'm doing second, you know, and I would, my boy, my big purpose was to give them something that could be of assistance for them and, and how quick that I needed to do everybody. And this one group of boys came up and the, the name I shuffled for the bottom was one that had ERs all the way through the name. He literally had three ERs in his name, one in each one. And that to me means that that's a date raper, you know, in high school. And so I had to, to look at that boy and say, okay, what I can say that can help you is that touch is very important to you. And of course, all the other boys in his group knew exactly what he was doing. So they all went, oh, she's got you. And then I said, so if you can learn how to think about how somebody else is going to feel about your actions before you do the action, maybe you can stay out of jail. Okay, next group, <laughs> you know, because I thought you have to choose your words so carefully, especially if you're in a group in a private session, you're still choosing your words carefully, but you can get a lot more concrete, you know, and a lot more specific. But in a group, you never want to embarrass somebody, or I don't ever want to embarrass somebody or cause somebody to feel badly. 
Not even in a, in a private session. I have many sessions, but you know, you have to choose your words or else instead of helping, you're damaging the person. They're going to close down. Yes. Yes. They don't stay open to hearing. And so, like, I will often say that I, if lying is in the name, I don't say, oh, my gosh, you're a liar. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to hear that, even if it's the truth. Instead, you say, uh, you know, one of your challenges in your name is how much truth do you want to tell? Do you want to tell 10% of the truth, 50% of the truth, 90% of the truth? How much truth are you willing to tell? That's one of your challenges. You know, people can take it in. And the majority of times, the person starts laughing. They know who they are. They know what they're doing. But it's said in a way that it's not offensive and there's no judgment. And that's what's important because we've all come here for different lessons. And it doesn't mean this lesson's better or that lesson's worse. It just means they're different. You know? And for psychopaths, do they have a specific... Um, Everybody does. Everybody has the seven parts of the overall lesson. Even the psychopaths, even the narcissists, everybody. And it's so easy to find once you understand how to do the names. Uh, there's a... <laughs> I was going to say a quick fix. A quick uh, way that we can say, oh, this person is a psychopath. I should stay away from that person. Well, some people enjoy interacting with psychopaths to see if they can outwit them. But you're right. I like to av avoid or minimize, I would say, not even to avoid, but to minimize my exposure to those. Um, and it's interesting. At the beginning, my agreement with God was anybody who comes to me for a reading, I'm going to do my best to assist them. That was my agreement with God. And then as I really got into this and had done it for quite a while and had done some readings on psychopaths, I said to God, please don't bring me the psychopaths that are not going to be listening, that are just trying to outwit, <laughs> you know, that are just, it's a game to them because I'm serious about being able to assist people and they really don't want assistance. And I don't really want to spend my time doing that. And so now I'll get maybe one or two a year where before I used to get like two or three a month. So You know, I think you can make agreements and you can change your boundaries or what you're willing to do or not do. But it's really nice to have that in a name. You know, and the majority of psychopaths that I deal with now, like I said, not very many every year, but it's like they're asking to change their name. And can I help them with a name that's going to say how wonderful they are and nice they are and everything else? And I just look at that and I think, no, because your behavior won't really change. That's who you are because that's written into your birth name. Uh, you can modify it some, but I don't want you fooling people with this incredible name so that then they get entrapped more. You know, that's against my own ethics. So, you know, if they can get it out of the books or whatever, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to help them in that way. Then basically, if you change your name, uh, let's say tomorrow my name is Martha and, uh, and I change it legally and so forth. And I start using that name. My personality would uh, would change. For yes, yes. How you go about things would change. And it takes seven years. I think of it as a big hourglass. And so you know how an hourglass that drips a little bit of sand all the time. It's a seven-year hourglass and it's dripping. And every day you're changing more and more. And you're changing into that new name. Okay. Um, there's a lot of growth that has to take place if somebody has a ton of challenges. There has to be a willingness to change. And what I have found in the majority of, like we were talking about the psychopaths and the sociopaths, they're not willing to change. They want to mask who they are, but they're not willing to change who they are. The same apply for the narcissist. They, the narcissist is not going to accept it's a narcissist to start. Well, it's, it's interesting because the narcissism can learn to have compassion and they can have They can learn and they can learn other ways of meeting the same need that the narcissism was meeting. Okay. But first they have to admit they were a narcissist and most narcissists don't want to admit, admit that, you know, but it's in a name. And I do a lot of readings for narcissists. I mean, I, they, those come across my pathway quite often. It's surprising to me. Um, but I think that's because when I was growing up, I, I had, narcissist people in significant places in my life as an influence. So that doesn't bother me so much. 
it's it's like, okay, that's just who they are, <laughs> you know, and maybe that's why they come to me because it doesn't bother me. It's just like when I was the last, I was going to say the last third of my teaching career, I would literally go to the principal and say, give me everybody nobody else wants. Let me teach them in math instead of somebody else so that everybody else has nice classrooms and, and give me all the kids that nobody else would want. Wow. And I think they don't bother me. You know, I can teach them and we can learn and, and, and they don't bother me. And in fact, the very, when I left the very last, when it was announced that I was leaving my very last year, I was teaching seventh grade and the seventh graders broke down and cried. And again, these are the kids that weren't so much, you know, wanted by the other teachers. I wanted them because I think everybody deserves a safe place, a safe environment, a safe room where they know they're wanted, where they know they're loved and that somebody actually cares about them. Yes. You know, and then even the hardest kids can can soften up over time and realize that there's good people out there and that they don't have to always be on defense. Well, we're not talking about mental illness, like um, a psychopath or sociopath or narcissist. Those are also mental illness. That even if they try really hard to have uh, to be compassionate and caring, I'm not throwing the word narcissist like everybody else because actually I have uh, study what is narcissism. I come from a family of narcissists. So <laughs> that's why I went actually deep in, uh, to study these people. And it's a mental illness. We can consider also alcoholic, uh, alcoholism uh, mental illness. That shows up in a name too. Hmm? That shows up in a name too if they're going to have a problem with alcohol. I mean, it's really amazing what can show up in a name. And I think, Monica, the real thing is when you can see a person clearly, all of us have challenges. Yes. Some we wear on our sleeves. Some are more hidden. But all of us have challenges. Yes, okay. And so uh, the one thing from every single person that has studied nameology science with me, every single one has come back. And they have said by the time they're through and can read a name really well, they've said that they notice that they absolutely stopped judging other people because they now could see, well, this person has these challenges and that person has those challenges. Nobody's on a pedestal and nobody's on the bottom rung of the ladder. We're all equal. We all have seven challenges that give us our overall reason. And the beauty of it is We stop judging another person. We just recognize this is where this person is and what they've come to do. And we stop taking things personally. When they do something, we go, ouch. <laughs> you know, it's like you can look at the name and go, oh, that's just who they are. They didn't even realize that they just stepped on my toe or just hurt me some way or whatever. We stop being so sensitive and we stop taking things personally, which is one of, I love that book, um, one of the four agreements you know, stop taking things personally. And when you can see somebody's name and who they are and why they're here, the judgments naturally stop and you stop taking things personally. It's a side benefit of knowing the system. Are you having a class soon? I have a class all the time. You can join anytime. It's online. And then after every part or every section, I teach a concept. And after every concept that you've listened to online, you get a personal call with me to say, okay, this is what I get, or this is what I don't understand. Here are my questions. Because I think you need to get your own questions answered in a way that you understand. And I can look at the person's name and go, oh, they need to hear it this way. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> that is yeah. awesome. Then you have an ongoing that class. Yeah, they can, anybody can join at any time and then they can do it at their own pace. You know, there's there's different levels. The first level is the basics of the personality that takes 15 hours. The next level is the subtleties in the personality and how I work with all the different businesses, how I work with HR departments, how I work with attorneys, how I uh, create a name for uh, for a book or a product or a person. You know, it's how you do all of those things and all the subtleties in a name. That's the second level. And the third level is. Um, you need to know how to do the subtleties and able to do the third level, which is why are you here? What's your purpose? Okay, awesome. And, and what everybody who studied with me can tell you is that you get as much time as you need. I have students that go, okay, I only had two questions on this part. 
you know, and, and they don't, they don't utilize me very often because they don't need to. They say, no, it's really clear. It's really thorough. It's, it's good teaching. We got it. And then you have other students that are like, I'm holding their hand all the way through, but there have been a few people that have called and wanted to do this class. And I've literally looked at their names and said, it's going to be too hard. It's not in your ballywack. You know, you don't have the letters that it's going to take, like you're missing memory letters and it takes some memory. You have to remember what the letters mean, you know, and I had this one lady, she was smart. She just didn't have any of the memory letters and the patterning letters, you know, that that would come easy for her or easy to learn. And I said, I, I said, I'd love to take your money, but I, I can't do it consciously because I know how difficult this would be, you know, and I always tell that to somebody, it's going to be really hard or you're not fit out for this. Let me find your methodology, whether it be physiognomy or handwriting analysis or whatnot, you know, that would show up where somebody's gift. And so, and this one lady, bless her heart, she says, no, I really want to do this. And she came and took the class three times through, three times, just every level, three times through. She's doing a bang up job but it took her redoing it three times each level to get there. She said, no, I really want this. And I thought, okay, if you're willing to put in the work, it, it took her quite some time, you know, where everybody else, you could take the entire thing. Um, I'm adding it up in nine days. You could have worked your way all the way through all of it, you know, and it's, just, and people that have taken human design, which I think is really complicated People that have taken that course, they look at me and they go, oh, my gosh, everything we learn in human design, you can find in a name. And it's so easy. And so um, it's just can you see the relationship between this, you know, this pattern and that pattern? That's what it's really about. Hmm. And I imagine that it will be easier for the people that is more into the math mathematics, understanding the patterns. It's well, and my brain's trained in patterns. And so that's and that's how I taught math. And that's why people could do really well in my math class. It was always, did you notice this pattern? Oh, look, we've got this pattern again. And now we're going to add a step. <laughs> you know, um, it is easier for people that either have a really good memory or for people that are see patterns. And again, if you see patterns that shows up in a name, you know, I mean, that's why I can tell when somebody calls me and says, I'd like to take this class, I can look at their name and say, this is how it will go for you, you know, based on your own name and your own learning. So that the easiest people to take the class and do the fastest going all the way through are people that have an O-N combination, like in Monica, or like in my name, Sharon, it's at the end, the O-N. Um, that's the easiest because the O-N means that they have that practical, logical, step-by-step -step deductive ability. Okay. So anything that comes step by step, like math, music, mechanics, computers, whatever, that's easy for those people to learn. And so it makes what I'm doing really easy to learn. And they just it's like a sponge and they just, you know, learn it really quickly. But if you have a lot of N's in your name, if you have R's in your name, those are letters that also allow you to see the relationships between things and have the memory and able to retain it. So I'm always looking for names that have N's and R's and there's other combinations, but, but those ones right away will tell you, yes, they can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and if the, you don't have an N or an R somewhere in your name, um, then I've got to look around and see, do, are they smart enough or do they have enough work ethic? Do they, you know, then I've got to look at other letters and combinations. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I, I never saw myself in that way. I knew I was brilliant when I was a kid because I fell asleep in all my classes. And But I just have to be present in there. And I present my exams and I got hundreds without being awake in the classroom. But, uh, but at the same time, I was not an expert in math or nothing like that. Or Probably if you were awake, it wouldn't have been hard. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but... Had insomnia since I was a baby, I believe so, <laughs> to this day. But how do you, um, then it will be easier for, for that people. And uh, uh, I have so many questions about that. But what it would be ideal when someone wants to sign up in your classes to talk to you and tell you, their, uh, talk to you to see if 
they qualify for taking your class? Um, I prefer that they don't have to. They can just sign up. Um, if people just go to the website and they go to the services page, they can sign up. And then occasionally I will literally um, say, I will call them and say, you know, this will be difficult or whatever. Here's the challenges that's going to be here. And I'm not against if somebody signs up without talking to me first to give them a refund if if I think it's going to be too difficult for them after I've called them. You know, but if people sign up and I think, okay, not an issue, they get this big box of surprises in the mail, which is kind of cool with everything they need to take the course. So they can't go, oh my gosh, I got started, but then I needed this or I needed that. So I had to run to the store and then they get postponed. It's like, nope, once the box arrives, I even send the pens and the paper <laughs> you know, to, to all of it. But anything you could possibly need while you're taking my course, when I reference, get this out or do this. You know, because I'm a, a school teacher. And so I give them all the mnemonic devices on how to remember things. And I give them all the supplies so that as they're creating and following directions as they go along, it becomes simpler and simpler. And then those become tools that you use. So that the whole thing is really easy. And I always think use the cards that I send um, and shuffle them. And they all have the letters on them and whatnot, right? Use the cards and as you're making them, as you're going through, and then you just lay them out and your reading is right there laying in front of you by the time you're done. And then after a while, you start memorizing it. But at the beginning, you don't even have to memorize it. It's all there for you to be able to see that relationship, you know, because most people can learn kinesthetically, you know, certain letters learn visually and other letters learn auditorily, but everybody learns kinesthetically. So in the, on the online classes, you're getting it where you're getting it auditorily, but then with all the stuff that I send you, you're doing your own kinesthetic learning because you've got to do this or do that or whatever, you know? Um, so I'm keeping you busy the whole time so that it's literally going into the brain and you're learning it as you go because you're doing it. And then I even send brag sheets. Okay, so brag sheets, other people might call them tests, but I never have called them tests in a classroom. They're brag sheets. It's like, how much do you learn? How much have you remembered so far? And people are always amazed at how well they do. You know, and then we go through them on the online course and here's the answers, you know, because you want that immediate feedback. And I don't look at those. That's a self-evaluation as you're going through. You know, what have I remembered so far and what do I still need to hang on to my cards for? So it's 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 a cool system. It's a cool way of learning. Um, I enjoy working with people that want to learn the system. Um, it's and it's just a cool way of knowing that you're never going to meet a stranger again. You're going to have understanding for everybody around you. And and what you find is once you know the name and you're applying it, that everybody considers you their new BFF. You know, it's then you're because you get them. And so everybody wants to be your friend because they know they're totally understood. And isn't that what we all want is to be understood by the other people in our lives? Yes, definitely. Not only understood and loved at the same time. Everybody well, love. Okay, so I'm going to give everybody a challenge. Okay, is the majority of times, Monica, people wait and then they say, oh, love develops, love, whatever. Right. And I want to say, if you go out in the world and you act as if everybody in the world loves you. Now, this is not narcissism. It's just everybody loves me. Everybody is a cell in God's body. And so we're all in the same body. They're all one. So we don't want the body being cancerous and fighting against each other. So instead you say, no, I'm living in a harmonious body and everybody loves me and I love them, but I'm going to act as if everybody loves me. So how you act towards somebody that loves you, you know, you're very welcoming. You're very, you listen, you know, you know that they have your best interest in mind, you whatever. And so I look at it and I think if all of us acted as if everybody loved us, that in itself would change the world. Yes, because we'd be more open, we'd be more compassionate, and that will attract at the same time. Like the law of attraction will say, if I act and feel and sense and think 
certain idea, that's what I will attract, the universe is hearing me. But so that's why we are, you will attract people that that loves you. The ones yeah. that can you they will not even get close. Right. You know, and and in some people's names it's really important that they are liked. Okay. So for example, in your name Monica it ends in an A. So people whose first name ends in an A in that place value there, it's they want to be liked. They think it's important to be liked. So they make themselves likable. They work on themselves. They make themselves likable, but they're not going to change who they are to get somebody to like them. Okay. And so that that is important for you to be liked. Okay. But if you realize that not everybody's going to like you, that's a tough nut to learn. You know, it's like, doesn't matter what you do. Some people just aren't going to like you. Whereas, whereas the people whose first names end in a Y, I always call them the chameleons. Because they want to be liked and they'll adjust and show you the part of themselves that they think you're going to like. And they immediately sense the next person, what part of me are they going to like? And that's the part I'm going to show them. So they're constantly adjusting themselves. It's all different parts of them, but it's not the whole of them. Okay. And that's the name ends in a Y. And look at how many parents name their child something and then give them a nickname that end in a Y, which literally says, now you've got to adjust. So it's easier for me to like you. Okay. And so, but those names, the people, it's really important that they're liked. Okay. Now there's certain letters like a first vowel of an A that are people pleasers. Okay. So you come through a family that they're learning how to be people pleasers. Okay. So you have some of those examples around you, not everybody, but some because it's in the family name. So I look at those as their people pleasers, but at the same time, like I have it in my name, people pleaser, but at the same time, um, I don't end with an A or or a Y. So if somebody doesn't like me, it's like who cares, <laughs> you know? And and maybe that sounds callous, but there's a lot of people out there that were going, no, it's more important that we like us and that we have a good relationship with our creator than it is that somebody else likes us. Yes, you know. And and so and how I grew up, it was like. We were taught that if somebody doesn't like you, they're missing out. Next. <laughs> you know, which is a really healthy way of looking at it so that you don't expect everybody to like you. Yes. Uh, yes. Like in my case, I did wanted everybody to like me, but it, it, I did not change for anyone. Right. As this is who I am. And if you don't like me, okay, next. Yeah, exactly. I do remember my parents calling me money. And I hated that, that that nickname, so I never use it. And every time they, what is your name? Monica. Moni, no, Monica. It's like, because I did not, it's like, I don't, I don't like to change for other people unless I feel comfortable with myself. I don't mind doing something for someone. It is in my heart, but I don't force myself to do it. Right. Well, see, and that's what I call the people pleasers. And there's different combinations that were people pleasers. Like, we don't mind helping out, you know. We don't mind being there for other people. Um, and that gives us pleasure to be able to help in that way or to be able to serve in that way or whatever. But it's like they like us fine. They don't like us fine. You know, I mean, the the kids in the classroom, bless their hearts, they'll test somebody. They'll test that teacher to find that weak spot, you know, because the kids then want to keep punching that same weak spot. And when when the kids try to test me in the classroom, I just look at them and I go, I didn't come here to make 13 and 14 year old friends or 17 and 18 year old friends. Doesn't matter what age group I'm teaching. I said, I didn't come here to make those. I don't need them guys. I came here to make sure you understand math. So you don't get gypped later on in your world because you don't understand the numbers when you're buying a car or you're, 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 you know, you're purchasing a house or something and you can get chipped if you don't understand your numbers. I'm here to make sure that, you can lead an honest life so that math shows up in so many different places so that it's easier for you to have a good life because you have this foundation and math teaches people how to think it's the, it's the language of the universe. And so, I mean, when they try to push that, like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, we may not like you. I'm like, who cares if you like me? That's not, that's not my goal here. My, and I just always announce it. I'm here because I want you to learn. And especially the last couple of years when I was taking 
the, the challenging students that I always fall in love with in, within two weeks and stuff. And when I was taking those kids and they would try to find those buttons, I would literally tell them, guys, I'm doing readings on the side. I don't need the salary. I'm not here for the money. In fact, I donated it um, the last couple of years, the teaching salary. And I said, I'm not here for the money. I'm here to make sure you learn and understand the math. And they were just amazed. You know, they were just amazed. No, everybody's here. And I said, no, I earn my living doing readings, you know, and that I believe in some causes. And that's what that's what this money is going for. But I'm here because I want you to learn. And the kids were just amazed. And, you know, they settle down because they realize right away, here's somebody who's who cares or they don't even need to be here, you know. Yes. Uh, and more kids that they think, oh, because we're paying you, you have to do this. That is completely wrong. Right. Yes. Right. And, and I will tell you for how hard teachers work. And there's so many good teachers out there compared to the ones that aren't. Um, and for how hard you see the good teachers working, you know, we're all working 11 hour days and our Saturdays to get caught up. <clears throat> and we are working so hard for the little amount of money that teachers are paid in comparison with all other kinds of jobs. It's just amazing to me. And so the teachers that go into it for the workload, for the stress, for the interaction with so many kids all day long and all those personalities and the paperwork and the demands and the little amount of pay, they're there because they love kids and they love what they're doing. They're not there for the money because there is no money in it. I agree. I I do. I was a art teacher but not for the school district. It was in particular. I did have uh, grants where I received 30, 40 kids and uh, for the kids of the low income. But uh, but I didn't have to do the paperwork. I did not mind teaching my class, but I did mind um, if I was part of the system to do all the paperwork and so forth and right. business uh, the business side of the school districts. And that part, I, I don't see any teacher in the world actually enjoy that part. No, none of us do. <laughs> I always thought if it, there was one, and we're off subject here of names for a minute, but the one school that I was at, they did a grader for the English people. You think about it, that the more writing you can get the kids to do, the better they get at it. But you've got to read all those papers, you know, the English people. And for math, yes, I corrected a thousand papers a week is what I figured out from what I gave the kids. But I would memorize the answers and it's right or wrong. And then I would go back and look at just after I go through the paper and just mark it, I go back and look at why did they miss it? You know, where's the thinking off so I can address that the next day in class. But I could memorize answers for this assignment and zoop, 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 zoop. And I get through those papers. And I thought, you can't do that as an English teacher. You have to read all those papers and all that writing. So this one school, they hired, instead of like a teacher's aide for certain classrooms, they hired graders for the English teachers and the, and the other subjects that used a lot of writing. And so, like, let's say five teachers, English teachers shared one person. Okay. So they knew that every Monday this person was going to be grading their written papers all day long. And every Tuesday, a different teacher had that person. And so that grader learned how did that teacher want those papers marked and what's that teacher looking for, right? And so the papers got read and the papers got back to kids right away. And I and the teachers could give those assignments and not think, oh my God, my entire weekend, I'm going to be reading all these papers to get caught up. And I thought, what a wonderful way of running that class for all those teachers, and then they don't mind assigning papers, and it benefits the kids. Anyway, I just thought, oh, that's a miracle. <laughs> yes, I have I have uh, friends that they're professors, and they're teaching um, English uh, because I, I'm around po a lot of poets or Spanish, and they tell me, oh my God, I can't see you in two weeks because I have to grade from all the students in college, and it's you don't see them ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't. Tuve tres años de español en mi escuela secundaria, pero fue carente y más años, años en el pasado. Entonces me se olvidó mucho. <laughs> yes, if you don't practice the language, that's, that's the only way you can learn a language. Practice it. Yeah. Well, I tested out of it at the end of high school, so I didn't have to take it in college. And then I lived, I went and I moved to Germany and we didn't use Spanish 
you know, than I was learning German. And so I lost a great deal of it because at one time I was absolutely fluent. I had the most marvelous teacher. He had developed the, he spoke eight languages and he had developed the programs for the, um, for the people that went overseas and had to learn a, a language quickly, you know, and he had developed those programs. And so we had immersion from day one and I had him for three years. So the third year, we were the same things I was studying in my political science class that was a dual high school college class. We were talking about from the Spanish papers. We would read the Spanish paper and have that same discussion in Spanish in the Spanish classes. So at that time, it was the Mili massacre and and different things that now everybody go, what was that? You know, but it's the same things. So I got the discussion twice a day, once in English and once in Spanish. But it was wonderful because the third year, he said, you've got to have a wider vocabulary. And if you read the paper every day, you're going to have all these different topics and you'll extend it. And he had a thing that if we spoke English in the classroom, we had to give up our lunch that period and come have lunch with him. Well, none of us in high school wanted to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, if we didn't know how to say something, we'd be acting it out, drawing pictures, you know, and he started from the very first day of school. Uh, telling us nursery rhymes and and childhood stories that we all understood, like I trace also like there's three bears and then describing them and then drawing things on the board. He was a horrible artist, but we all would get it like a stick figure here or a tree there or whatever. And and so everything was being taught to us in the language. So we were hearing the language from the very beginning with things that we already knew, the stories we already knew. So it, it, he was just a marvelous teacher, Senior Dale. And I was very fortunate. That is great. So Sharon, your books do come; they can find it in your website. That I'm going to be uh, sharing your your website. That's or the least website. expensive way to get my books is through the website. Okay, I will be sharing your your that information. So like that, everybody can can find you with your your books actually, or your class if they want to sign up in your program. Yeah, or if they just want a reading and want me to do it for them. Yes. It, it's all right there at knowthename.com. And the coolest thing, Monica, is if somebody is not where they're able to write it down and later on they go, oh, I need to know the name of that website. Then they go, oh, yeah, that was it. Know the name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is uh, easy and easy and catchy. That sometimes is very important that you want to open any kind of business. Hey, you should consult Car uh, Sharon. Yes, absolutely. For product names, business names, whatever. You know, it's just it's just fun. And and Monica, when I'm helping somebody create a business name, I literally say, what are 10 adjectives that you want people to know about you right away that they just get? And what are 10 adjectives in the type of people you want to attract to your business of who you want to work with? And then what is exactly what your business provides? What's the service? And when I get those three pieces of information, then it's my job to come up with a name that resonates with the person that provides and has those ingredients in it. Hmm. I might be calling you soon again for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, but it, it is, uh, it sounds logical and it sounds, hey, we, we're, you're opening a business, you need all the help you can. Well, so many businesses fail within the first five years. You want to have a name that stands out. You want to have a name that's easy to remember. You want to have a name that some people can pronounce because if they can't pronounce it, they won't go there because they can't tell anybody about it. They can't say it. You yes. want a business that's easy to spell. You want a business name that is appropriate in all languages. So I'm not going to name a business something in English that if you look at it in Turkish or Spanish or Russian, that it now means something horrible. Hmm. I was wondering right now, it just came to my mind, a Starbucks. Starbucks is not easy in Spanish. And yeah. it's very successful name. It, it's successful because it took over the English-speaking world first. Yes. But okay. And, and then they had a strategy where they put so many Starbucks out there on every corner. So it was so convenient to get to a Starbucks, so easy. And then after they wiped out their competition because they were everywhere, then they started closing down stores. So you had to drive further to get to your Starbucks, but you were already addicted. Okay. Yes. So 
That's how they pushed out the competition. Yes, and they don't even have good coffee. I come from Veracruz, so we have good coffee. <laughs> when when I go down to Mexico, I have a timeshare down there. I love Mexico. And when I go down there, I always pick up coffee from my friends. I don't drink coffee, but I come back always with coffee for friends. They always say, oh, my gosh, while you're going down there, get us some coffee. <laughs> yes, I, you're Mexican. Well, more in Mexico, we drink a lot of coffee. We're always drinking coffee. No, I think I don't drink coffee because my parents didn't drink coffee. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't see it. I didn't, whatever, all days. So I just, I now look at it and I think I only drink water. I don't drink tea. I don't drink sodas. I don't, I don't drink anything. I just drink water. But I, I look at it and I think so many of our habits come from when we're watching our parents as we're growing up. That's true. My, well, my parents were, my mother was from the United States, so she was not drinking coffee. She had issues with that in Veracruz. And my dad did not drink that much coffee. I, I, I picked up that in, when I was studying by myself in Monterrey, uh, design. Mm-hmm. It keeps you awake. <laughs> now it doesn't affect me anymore after doing it for more than 40 years, drinking coffee. It doesn't affect me anymore. In that time, it did. That's how we started. Yeah. Well, Monica, it was so nice of you to invite me on your show, and I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it was really my pleasure, Sharon. And we, I learned a lot right now, and I will be uh, checking your classes. We're just going to see my my schedule because I, I'm interested to learn more about it. And I hope the, uh, the people that are listening right now or the ones that are going to see it later on will be interested because I did have a reading with Sharon. And it was amazing. I learned a lot of things about myself. And uh, and and you're watching these kind of programs is because you want to learn also about yourself. And hey, our the people around us, or the kind of people we want around us. So or help. So check your website. Know your name. And uh, know the name dot com. Mm-hmm. And also her books. And uh, and thank you very much for listening and for hearing us. Thank you, Sharon. I really, really appreciate Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely, Monica, my pleasure. Let me know if I can ever be of assistance again. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramirezwarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.